The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show, we're going to talk about several topics as the Giants get ready to face the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. A little bit later on, we will talk to quarterback guru Mark Schofield about the matchup between Giants rookie Daniel Jones, the sixth overall pick in the draft, and Cardinals rookie quarterback Kyler Murray, the first overall pick. It's obviously the first NFL meeting between those two. Obviously, really, the headline of this game is Jones versus Murray. Really, really interesting. And we'll get Mark's perspective on that, as well as on the progress of Daniel Jones as he has gone through four games now as the Giants quarterback. So we'll see what Mark thinks about the play of of Jones so far and how excited he is to see Sunday's matchup. A couple of topics that I wanted to to hit on before uh, before we get to my conversation with Mark. The first of which is that it looks like the Giants could be healthier this week. Looks like there's a, a possibility at this point that both Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram could be in the lineup. Really, really good news for the Giants if both of those players are able to play. Both guys were at practice on Monday. Uh, obviously, you know, media wasn't uh, wasn't there for the entire practice, so we don't know how much they did. But looks like the uh, Giants could have a pretty much full array of of offensive weapons this week. Obviously, minus. Uh, Sterling Shepard, who has a concussion, and of course, backup running back Wayne Gallman, who also has a concussion. We'll have to see. We'll monitor that situation as the week goes along. But that's good news for the Giants. Good news for Daniel Jones that uh, that he could and should have his uh, his his best playmaking weapons back on the field this week as the Giants get ready for a game against the uh, the Arizona Cardinals who are 2-3 and 1 heading into Sunday. Giants of course are 2 and 4. And one of the really really interesting things about this about this game about this particular time of the season 
is that, believe it or not, the, the Giants are only one game behind in the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys started 3-0 and and have lost three straight games, are now 3-3. Three and three. Philadelphia Eagles are also 3-3. Three and three. Both of those two teams face off on Sunday. So if the Giants can win a game, they would only be, they would remain just one game out of first place in the division. Really interesting. And, and, and let me be honest, I do not think that the Giants are going to end up winning the NFC East. I think that they're a developing team, a young team, one that is probably not at the level quite yet of the Eagles and the Cowboys when both of those teams are playing as well as they're capable of playing. But what I do believe is that the more competitive games, the more meaningful games, the more games with playoff implications that the young Giants core, which we wrote about a little bit earlier in the week at Big Blue View, more important games that they can play the better off that is for their development, the better that is for the future of the New York Giants. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. We'll see how it turns out. But uh, interesting that the Giants at this point, despite being 2-4, and four, despite back-to-back losses, they, you know, they can still dream a little bit. You can still consider the possibilities. And as I said, any game that the Giants play that has some sort of implications for the future, implications toward the playoffs, anything they can do at this point that that has importance attached to it is good for their future. All right, another thing that I wanted to talk about was the Giants' signing of veteran running back Javorius Buck Allen, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, guy that was signed by the New Orleans Saints and was released uh, in August, I believe, with an injury settlement. Common opinion, you know, among most at this point, is that the Giants waited too long to make this move. Obviously, you know, not having Wayne Gallman uh, the last couple of weeks hurt the Giants quite a bit. Obviously, you know, Saquon Barkley went down. The Giants depended on Wayne Gallman. Gallman suffered a concussion in his second game starting behind Barkley, and uh, the Giants have basically gone the last two weeks with John Hilleman, rookie undrafted free agent, and fullback Elijah Penny, you know, doing most of the ball carrying. We've seen a couple of costly fumbles by Hilleman, including one on Thursday night against the Patriots that cost the Giants a touchdown and probably was a big part of the Giants' decision to finally sign a veteran back and to to cut him. And Hilleman, in case you didn't know, is back on the Giants' practice squad having cleared waivers. I don't know what the situation is with with Allen. I know that after Saquon Barkley was injured uh, against Tampa Bay that the Giants held a workout with several veteran running backs. Allen was not part of that workout the Giants at that time chose not to sign any of the any of the backs that they worked out. And, you know, on the face of it, to me, that was a mistake. They because then they had no experienced backup behind Wayne Gallman. But that, that was the choice that they made. I wonder if perhaps they were waiting for Allen, if they were waiting for an opportunity to work him out. I don't know that for a fact, but having had an injury settlement with the Saints. 
you wonder if there's a possibility that Allen is the guy that they targeted and they, that he simply may not have been ready uh, to work out, ready to play at that point in time. I don't know if I get a chance to to speak with Allen later this week uh, at the Giants facility. When I get there, I'm, I'm going to try to get there on Thursday. If I get a chance to speak with Allen, I might ask him about that. But you wonder if that was perhaps part of the reason that they were waiting for Buck Allen. But I don't know. I, I do think while it may not have cost them victories the last uh, couple of weeks, not signing another veteran back who could have helped them, you know, leaving so much responsibility on the plate of, of John Hilleman and Elijah Penny, uh, particularly Hilleman, an undrafted free agent out of Boston College, and Rutgers, who really, to be honest, was a mediocre college running back, not a star, you know, for programs that weren't powerhouse programs, uh, turned out to be, in my view, a mistake. But it's one the Giants have moved on from now. Allen, you know, is a player described by our Baltimore Ravens website, which is Baltimore Beatdown, as a jack-of-all-trades player. Can do a lot of things, can run a little bit, can catch some passes, is a tough guy who's willing to run inside, uh, can play some special teams. Should be a help to the Giants. Should be a guy who uh, who they can get a little bit of of mileage out of as a backup to Barkley. And uh, you know we'll, we'll cross our fingers and hope that Barkley does play this week. Uh, but Allen should help them going forward. You know we'll see how much, and it'll be kind of interesting to see uh, whether it is Allen or Gallman who emerges as the real number two running back, you know, once Gallman comes back from his concussion. So you know, that'll be something to keep an eye on. In the meantime, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll hear from Mark Schofield about Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by quarterback guru Mark Schofield to talk about this Sunday's Giants-Cardinals matchup with two interesting rookie quarterbacks, Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ed. Great to be back with you. Uh, looking, for, I'm looking forward to this one. I think this is going to be a fun podcast, and I think it's going to be a fun game um, between these two teams coming up this week. Well, that's that's kind of exactly where I wanted to start. I mean, you have 
the first overall pick in the draft. You have the sixth overall pick in the draft. Two guys that uh, their franchises are banking on being their futures. Just, just how excited are you to turn on the TV and watch this one on Sunday? I'm very excited to watch it because, you know, I know we're going to talk a lot about Daniel Jones, um, so we can get into that in a minute. But when you look at this Arizona offense, I think they're starting to sort of figure out what they want to be. I think Cliff Kinsbury has done a nice job of sort of uh, adapting what we thought his offense was going to be for a more NFL-type system. I think Murray has been fun to watch because while he still makes some mistakes and he still makes some throws and some decisions that you can question, you know, in a couple of times a game, he'll come up with a throw that will really sort of impress you or sometimes more than a couple of throws that will really sort of impress you. And so he's been fun to watch. He's been fun to study. You know, and of course, there's the Daniel Jones side to it where, you know, he's had some great throws and moments over the past couple of weeks as well. So it's fun to watch these two quarterbacks go at it. Um, obviously, the f- fan bases for both teams are hoping that these guys will be battling in the NFC for uh, years to come now. But this will be the first chance to see him on the field at the same time. Let's do this, Mark. You've written about Daniel Jones for us a number of times. You have another post up this week on basically a Jones progress report. You'll have a piece for us later this week on on Kyler Murray. But let's do this. Let me ask you, first and foremost, we know what the questions were about Kyler Murray. Mostly size, mostly build, you know, mostly, you know, the offense that he played in. How many, what questions has Kyler Murray answered for you thus far? I mean, I I think he's... Let me sort of frame it this way. A lot of the questions around Kyler Murray, like you said, they had to do with the size, the frame, and sort of his ability to run what we expect to sort of be more pro-style NFL offense. I didn't really have those questions about him to the extent that others did. I thought they were certainly things that he would have to sort of figure out and work through. But when it comes to his size, you know, the height thing – He's adept at finding throwing lanes, similar to Baker Mayfield the year before him. And you could see that from his film at Oklahoma, where he was able to sort of create some throwing lanes with his feet. Sometimes they'll structure their pocket differently to give him a little bit of a deeper drop so he can get behind the line a little bit more. Um, But I wasn't as concerned as others were were about that. When it comes to his frame and his his size in that way, I wondered if his playing style would enable him to, you know, last in the NFL to sustain a full 16 game season. I think you look at his baseball background and you see the ability to sort of slide. And I know that sounds a little bit silly, but he does a great job of protecting himself. He's a quarterback that you would see give up the potential at a big play in the running game when he's scrambling um, to duck out of bounds, to slide rather than, you know, take a defender on or try to a spin move or something. He would forgo or sacrifice additional potential yardage to get to the huddle in the next play. And so I wasn't as concerned about that as well. And when it comes to sort of the idea of him playing in an NFL offense, I know that was eliminated in a sense by the cliff hire. But I I liked his ability to make reads and throws from the pocket. And so, you know, he answered a lot of the questions, at least in my mind, coming out. But at the same time, there were two sort of areas that I was really looking for from him. Manipulation with the eyes and anticipation throws. Those were areas, Ed, where I thought – we're going to need to see some growth from him. And he started to sort of put that stuff on film the past couple of weeks. I was you know, watching his stuff from weeks four and five last night to get ready for the show and to get ready for the piece I'm going to write. You know, when you called me up this morning 
I was looking at his game from last week now that the, the coach's film is up over at NFL Game Pass. And you're seeing isolated examples of him doing things like looking off safeties or making anticipation throws over the middle. He had a, a wide cross a couple of weeks ago where you've got that crossing route and it's Larry Fitzgerald coming from right to left. And he throws him open in space between the linebackers. You know, he's getting the ball out before Fitzgerald crosses that first linebacker so he can make sure that Fitzgerald's going to catch it between the two. You know, those little nuanced things that you didn't really see a lot from him in Oklahoma, he's starting to put that on tape now. And so those two areas, that manipulation and that anticipation, those were concerns and questions that I had from him. And he's starting to sort of piece that stuff together. Let me ask you this, Mark. We talk about we talk about NFL offenses we talk about Cliff Kingsbury. We see when you watch the Cardinals that they're doing some things that are different on offense than than what you normally see in the NFL. It's really a twofold question. Is there really any more such a thing as an NFL style or pro style offense? And what are the Cardinals doing that is really different? that the Giants are really going to have to prepare for that they probably haven't seen yet? Yeah, it's a great question, Ed. Uh, I'll take the second sort of part of it first. You're seeing a lot more in the sort of, you know, zone read, an option off of that type of game that you don't see a lot of NFL teams really doing. Where they'll run basically, it's like inverted veer where you've got the potential of Murray to keep it with blockers in front of him. You've got sort of the zone read stuff where they've got built-in package screens, but he has the ability to press the line of scrimmage if he decides to keep the ball. And then you really put that flat defender in a bind because on one side of you, you've got a potential receiver in the flat where he can throw it to. And you've got the quarterback pressing the line of scrimmage in the way it's usually designed. It's just that flat defender that they put in conflict with that. There's a lot of option and veer elements that you're more familiar seeing on Saturdays than you are on Sundays. And so these are things that the Giants haven't seen yet this year. And so obviously that's going to have be some stuff that they're going to need to get ready for on the defensive side of the ball going into this game. As far as sort of the bigger picture issue, I really – there are only sort of a handful of teams right now that you could say run – what we would traditionally think to be a pure NFL offense. And, you know, New England perhaps is one. You know, it's really just the team sort of with the veteran quarterbacks. And even some of those teams, like you might say the Saints with Drew Brees or the Chargers with Rivers, you know, New England with Brady, you're seeing some of the, you know, newer concepts, like air raid concepts that aren't really new, but they're new for the NFL in their playbooks as well. I mean, the Patriots run mesh. The Patriots run Y-cross. I mean, so... We're seeing more and more of these designs, like I said, you usually see on Saturdays, work their way into the National Football League. And for the main reason is money, because when you draft that rookie quarterback or you have that younger quarterback, you want to run things that they're familiar with. And so you're going to turn to those kinds of concepts. When you have wide receivers that are used to running these types of designs, you're going to do the same thing for them. And so when there's this push to get younger perhaps more inexpensive players on the field and productive early in their careers, you're going to turn to these designs. And then let's face it, we're seeing guys work their way into the NFL from the college ranks or from schools or systems that have been, you know, coaching this stuff. Or some of these guys have been coaching this stuff for years now. And obviously the hot name right now is Lincoln Riley. 
perhaps becoming a head coach. And so you put all of this together, you're going to see more of these offensive tiles, types of plays, types of systems work into the National Football League. So, you know, the, the idea of a pure NFL offense or pro style offense, I think that is slowly but surely going by the wayside. Well, I guess you look at it and you can say that, um, I guess, good offensive concepts that, that stress defenses in, in different ways. You know, good offense is good offense. And the other part of that is NFL teams have a lot less practice time th- than they than they did in years yeah. gone by. So perhaps you know, the simpler, you know, what you always call the quick game concepts, you know, the 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 one decision or the other decision that a quarterback might have to make is perhaps a a simpler way to teach and and as you said maybe a quicker way to get these guys on the field and 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 give them a chance to succeed yeah i think that's that's a great point and you know i've you know sort of thought about a lot of what we're seeing now in the college and even the pro ranks, you know, some of the RPOs where you put a def- you isolate a defender and you put them into conflict. You know, the standard RPO that everybody can sort of identify is, you know, you meet the running back at the mesh point and you're reading that linebacker. And if he collapses on the run, you pull it and you throw the slant behind him. If he stays deep, you hand it off. You know, it's really just, you know, that little concept is just sort of the next evolution of what we typically associate with NFL passing games and pro style offenses where you isolate a defender and you high low him. I mean, one of everybody's sort of favorite route concepts right now, the, the Yankee concept where you have that deep post route and then the over route that comes underneath it. All you're really doing is finding that free safety and you're high load him with a post behind him and a deep over route in front of him. Whichever way he goes, you throw to the other one. You know, we typically think that's sort of a pro style concept, but how different is that really than showing a linebacker a potential handoff. And if he comes down, you throw the slant route over his head. If he stays deep on the slant, you know, you hand the ball off. It's just sort of the next evolution of a rudimentary aspect of offensive football, which is finding a defender and putting them into conflict and then making your decision based on what he does. We're used to seeing it sort of in the deep downfield passing game in moments like that. But RPOs are just doing it in a little bit of a different way. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Daniel Jones. We really haven't uh, we really haven't gotten into Jones too much yet today. You did a sort of quarter of the year progress report on Jones, you know, for us that that published on on Tuesday. What I want to ask you is really maybe an oversimplification of the whole thing with Jones at this point. After 4 games as a Giants fan, would you be would you be happy with what you've seen from Jones? Would you feel optimistic about his future? Or as he's sort of come back to earth the last couple of weeks, is he showing you things to be concerned about? I think you can answer in the affirmative for both of those things. I think if you're a Giants fan, you should be happy about where he is right now. And while part of that is probably influenced by sort of the way the table was set for him coming into the league where people, myself included, you know, sort of questioned about questioned Daniel Jones and him being good enough to be the sixth overall pick and had some worries about him adapting to life in the NFL. So part of the reason people are probably happy about where he is right now is because he's exceeded expectations, even though the bar might have been set low. But I could still frame it in this way in that 
it looks like he was put into the absolute ideal situation. They're running a lot of quick game concepts like we were just discussing that are familiar designs for him. You know, 72% of his throws in college his last year at Duke, you know, zero one-step drops. That's a lot of quick game stuff, RPOs and the like, that he's on familiar footing now running in the National Football League. And in the piece you just mentioned, the moment that I sort of became enamored with the idea of Daniel Jones as a West Coast-style passer was that Ohio concept, the go in the flat that he had against Virginia where they trapped the the uh, slot route out of the flat route out of the slot that he wanted to throw the cornerbacks on the outside he traps it comes inside so he reads it on the fly and throws that vertical route along the sideline for a touchdown and that's one of those snap decisions on a rotated coverage that are sometimes tough to read but he did it perfectly and you're seeing now Pat Shermer running that Ohio concept with Daniel Jones here in the National Football League and so I like how they've used him. And I, I'm very optimistic about where he's going. But that being said, look, he's a rookie quarterback and you're seeing mistakes. You're seeing two areas where if you're a Giants fan, I really want you to focus on in the next you know, four to eight games or so of Daniel Jones. He's staring down routes too much. And it's not just you know looking at a route the entire way, but sometimes looking at a route the entire way. And then being slow to get the ball out. It's one thing if you're going to look at a route but get it out quickly. It's another when you're staring it down for two, three, four seconds into a play and then you throw it, you're going to get into trouble. And he's been fooled. He's made some mistakes in terms of what I call a sort of assumption about a coverage where he assumes that he's going to get a look from a defense because he saw it earlier or you know, he's just expecting that the defender is going to do something that he hasn't seen before. And they do something completely different, and he gets fooled by it and throws a mistake. And so those are the two areas where I think Giants fans really want to focus their watching of Jones over the next couple of weeks or so. Does he start to get sort of better at, you know, not at using his eyes, at not staring down routes? And does he, like, start to move away from these moments where he's assuming something about the defense that isn't going to happen, and he gets himself into trouble that way? I guess one thing with Jones that I think we saw at Duke, Mark, that that was a question coming in was perhaps maybe when it's not the quick game, when it's not, you know, catch the snap, one step drop, let the ball fly, when he had to make a decision. With a rookie quarterback, you're going to see guys get fooled. He got fooled on a on a coverage the other night, you know, I think where Stefan Gilmore made an interception. Yep. What I what I think was was in a lot of the reports about Jones was the idea that sometimes he maybe held the ball too long, that there was a little bit of hesitation, you know, sometimes in in making some of his decisions. And and in my view, I think we've seen some of that. We saw some of that when he when he got intercepted the other day on a ball he should have thrown away. He ended up getting hit in the pocket. I think, and I think we saw that on. Uh, on one of the interceptions, I think it might have been against Minnesota, where he was throwing the the crossing route or to to uh, to Shepard, and the and the ball was basically thrown way too late. Um, is that an area of concern for you, or is that something that that should get better over time? It, it it's a concern, but it should get better over time. And the reason why I sort of frame it that way is. With younger quarterbacks, with inexperienced quarterbacks, sometimes there are moments when, you know, you're going through a play, you're going through your reads, and you're just not quite sure if it's safe to throw it yet. 
And so as a result, you end up sort of holding onto the ball a little bit too long to really make sure that, okay, I can throw this. And if you wait that long, you're going to get into trouble. And in his debut against Tampa Bay, he had a play like that where they were running a sort of a pout concept to the left with a post from the outside receiver, an out route from the slot guy. And he comes off of it because they're in cover two, safety over the top, nothing's there, the coverage is good. So he comes back to a dig route backside that's coming from right to the middle of the field. And it's open. And if he throws it quickly, he's going to have a big gain. It's a third and long, but he's going to convert this third and long into a first down. But after he moves his eyes from that concept on the left to the middle of the field, I literally put it on the stopwatch. And it's almost, it's two full seconds where he's staring at this route because he's waiting to make sure that it's open. And all that does is give us the backside cover two safety time to read his eyes and break on it. It should have been an interception. And so we're talking about a play that should have been a big gain, flipping all the way to something that should have been an interception. As he gets more comfortable with sort of making his reads and realizing, okay, this isn't there. Now I can come to the middle of the field. Here's the dig. I can throw it now. And he cuts the time in half in his mind and gets the ball out. That's going to be a big gain. And so I think – as he gets acclimated to life in the NFL and speed of the defenses in the NFL and how fast everything has to happen, we'll see less and less of moments like this. But the reason why it's a concern is we've seen some quarterbacks still into their you know second and third and fourth years struggle with hesitation. And a prime example of that is Jared Goff, who, let's be honest, he's been sort of babied in a sense by Sean McVay. And you can start to wonder now if McVay's almost in a way holding him back because of how much he holds his hand in the pre-snap phase of the play and talking to him before the radio headset comes off. But if you look at that Super Bowl, the thing I said going into Super Bowl 53 last year was he will hesitate. You have to exploit the hesitation if you're the Patriots. And on the biggest play of the game or potentially the biggest play of the game, that post route in the middle of the field to Cooks, if Goff gets that out quicker, it's a touchdown. But he waits and he waits and he stares at it and then he throws it and gives Jason McCourty time to break from the boundary to the middle of the field and break it up. So you don't want to see that situation unfold if you're a Giants fan and Daniel Jones. You know, you want to see him get faster and stay faster and not fall into this hesitation trap. The potential is there for him to get out of it. So, you know, I think he can and I think it, he will. But you don't want to see it linger because then it causes it, it is an issue to really be concerned about. All right, Mark. You know, really, really interesting game Sunday. Two young quarterbacks that uh, these two franchises have have you know, put their uh, basically put the future in their hands. We'll be uh, we'll be interested to see how this one turns out. Uh, Giants, believe it or not, are actually still in the race in the NFC East somehow, but. Uh, you know, but we'll see if we'll see if that uh, continues to be the case on Sunday. Uh, any anything else you th- that you really wanted to, to hit on on these two quarterbacks before I let you go? You know, I mean, the, the, there is one other thing that I think we can sort of talk about, and that's athleticism with both of these guys. And you know, obviously, we knew coming into the league, Kyler Murray, extremely athletic quarterback, um, the ability to sort of change games, change moments with his legs, going forward. I would like to see Daniel Jones and his athleticism be leveraged a little bit more Um, because I I think his ability to sort of create with his legs, his ability to sort of give the defense something more to think about is something that you can certainly use as an offensive play caller to sort of keep that defense honest. You know, I, I was frustrated in a sense a couple of times they had opportunities on Thursday night where he could have pulled and kept it and 
you know, hit the Patriots for, you know, a 10 or 15 yard gain or something like that. And I don't know if it just wasn't called or if he was told not to do it or the option wasn't there or what, but I think use his athleticism a bit more. I know they've done some stuff to sort of design rollouts and get him outside the pocket, but use his athleticism a bit more. Not saying you have to turn him into Lamar Jackson, but use that. It's another thing that he does well. It's another thing you can do to keep the defense honest and keep the defense guessing. It's something I'm going to be watching for. They use his legs a bit more going forward. I do think Mike Shula, Giants offensive coordinator, was asked about using Jones as a runner, and I think this was way back in the spring. And he said the one thing that you have to realize, because Shula coached Cam Newton, was the play caller for Cam Newton in Carolina, is that Jones is a 220-pound guy, not a 250-plus pound guy like Cam Newton. So perhaps the Giants are a little bit leery, a little bit hesitant to, to get Jones out there in space too much. But I, but I think I agree with you that that there are occasions. I think the Dallas Cowboys actually do a good job with that. I think we saw the other day a quarterback yeah. draw that Prescott scored on against the Giants. We saw a couple of read options that he took for first downs. Maybe that's the template that you're looking at for, for right. how to use Jones as a runner. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be something you do. Like I said, I you know obviously Lamar, they run him like 20, 25 times a game. You don't have to do anything like that. But pick your spots. You know, you've got a third and four type of situation. That's sort of an ideal moment to do it. Or even a first and 10 where, you know, teams expected run. You let them, you know, pull and keep it. You know, it's something that Matt Nagy has done at times with Mitchell Trubisky to sort of get him into the flow of games. And you can do it in a way that sort of protects him. You know, you can use sort of an arc block where you've got, you know, the tight end, you know, peel into the second level in front of a potential keep. That way, you know, you protect the quarterback. So if he does decide to keep it, he's got a blocker in front of him. The the Bears have done that a bunch of times with Mitchell Trubisky. So there are ways to get him involved, use his athleticism, show the defense another look, pick your spots doing it. It doesn't have to be, like we said, 15, 20, 25 times a game. Just a couple of times here and there, like the Cowboys do with Dak, that could be enough to extend some drives and turn, you know, three and outs into three and seven points. All right, Mark, always fantastic talking to you. We'll be looking forward to your piece on Murray, and we'll be looking forward to uh, to Sunday's game. And as uh, as always, when you come on with us, thank you for uh, dropping some knowledge on us. Anytime, Ed. Always a blast to be on with you, and should be a good one Sunday. All right, take care. You too, my friend. All right, our thanks to Mark Schofield for his thoughts on Sunday's really intriguing matchup between Daniel Jones of the Giants and Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, Giants fans, we thank you for listening. We encourage you to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. All right, we thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.